That's right, that's right. Welcome back to another episode of Football Furioso. Your host, Norris Howard, here alongside Nolan the Wingback. What's up? Hey, Prem is back. The Prem is back, man. That's right. And don't forget, this is soccer at the speed of sound. We're going to be talking about the top matches in the Premier League because we are one thousand percent back but before we get into that i just want to say this man i got a chance to look a little bit at la liga as well bro jude is the truth i just want to say that already hey. scored i mean real madrid is looking hella black they are i'm feeling <laughs> it all black they started all black midfield they did they started uh chuamini bellingham and uh and uh Kamavinga. yep and it was just a solid game. I think it was 2 0. Yeah. So just solid. Solid. Mostly. But he looked good. I mean, I, I told you. <laughs> Barca going to have. I mean, it's still a two horse race between Madrid and Barca, but Barca 0 0. Uh, started out 0 uh, 0 with their season. Javi got sent off. <laughs> It was, a, it was a bad game. It was just a stupid, silly game. It was a lot. Uh, going on. But you're not here to listen to just La Liga. You are also here to talk about the English Premier League. Now, the, the, the Prem is 1,000% back. And we're going to start with the defending champions, Manchester City, because obviously they had a uh, fantastic opener. Uh, even though they didn't necessarily look up for 1,000%. Nolan, how did this game go down as they faced Burnley, Vincent Company manager facing his old skipper in Pep Guardiola. How did this go down? Yeah, I think it went about how we all thought it would. I think that they lined up in a 4-2-3-1, City did. First of all, um, City won 3-0. City won 3 got to put that out there. Which, which seemed to be what most prevail would be the, the prevailing score was in that range. Um, Holland was being Holland. I think that that goes without saying. They scored an early goal, I think, in the fourth minute. Um, and then he scored a one touch um, a little bit later into the game, around 36 minutes. So Holland being Holland, I think that um, the, the more prevailing story to me um, is looking at the midfield. I think Kevin De Bruyne, um, we'll talk about his injury in a little bit, but I think Kevin De Bruyne um, and that midfield at Raji seemed to be pretty, pretty big. But I think that they didn't control it as much as we thought they would. I think that Burnley was able to boss them around a little bit here and there. Obviously, you know, Man City, you know, was cooked them for the most of the game. But I feel like Burnley played a good pressing style and they actually went out and, and tried to win it. Here's the thing that I feel about in particular that midfield is I felt like when they came up against superior athletes, people just willing to run. Mm -hmm. Maybe not necessarily the most class on the ball. I, I feel like if you try to go class for class, which is which was what happened to Arsenal in, in their two matches against them last season, was that they tried to match class for class, and you can't do that right. against Manchester City, <laughs> right? But when you have a willingness to just run and a willingness to be faster, stronger, bigger, you cause them a little, a, a little bit of a problem. And I, I saw that from Burnley. Now, obviously, I think there was some... Some some issues with the link up play. The passing is just so difficult to do that against Manchester City. But Kevin De Bruyne uh, ended up coming out of the really pretty early on in the first half, coming out of the game with a hamstring injury. We now know that he may be out till early next year. Now we know they picked up Kovacic to replace uh, uh, Gundogan. But if we're talking about a Kovacic Rodri midfield, that's not the most athletic midfield in the world. You're not you're not necessarily talking about guys known for their breakneck speed. Yeah. Are you I don't want to say worried, because they still got 
the 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 Nordic Terminator up top. But does this cause concern for Manchester City? Yeah, definitely. I think that okay, concern would be a drastic word. I think that it'll be different. I think that Kovacic is going to have to snap up quick, though. I think that when you come into that side, Pep will have a very short fuse, and I think that he know he knows that it will be a work in progress with Kovacic. Roger is going to definitely take that. Um, kind of more central role probably and be that front pivot to get ahead of Kovacic, I would imagine, just to get that link up play because he knows Highland. He's played with them a little bit more than Kovacic. Um, but I, I am a little worried about it. And I think that given the, r- the run of games they have coming up, I think that they'll have to snap up pretty quick. I'm I'm being perfectly 100% unbiased as I possibly can. This is a bigger deal than I think people are talking about. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch the Community Shield match, when De Bruyne was not in the team, Arsenal ran over them in the midfield, right? When we're looking at arguably the greatest midfielder of his generation in Kevin De Bruyne, a irreplaceable player, a man who can ping a pass with both feet (laughs) from almost anywhere on the pitch, I don't know, man. Like we know they have class. We and and obviously I think I think Phil Foden will also try to slide into that midfield and try to provide some of the service that, that Kevin De Bruyne normally would, but it's gonna be so hard to replace that player. And like you said, it's gonna be really important that they find ways to get Holland the ball because Kevin De Bruyne could do it from anywhere. Right. And that's why I'll add on. So tomorrow they do have the, the UEFA Super Cup. Well, as eight sixteen, they have the Super Cup. Do you think that it would be smart to kind of play Kovacic and really drill that into him? Because on Sunday, they play Newcastle. I'm Saturday, I'm sorry. They don't they have play a choice. So. They don't have a choice. <laughs> and, and this is what I meant by losing Gundogan was so critical mm-hmm. because they knew Kevin De Bruyne was not, the hamstring had not been all the way back yet. He was right. not 100%. And now you've lost him for half the season. This is huge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, listen, Man City is still Man City. I mean, the transfer window is still open. There is no telling that they don't go out and get somebody to rep- to essentially replace Kevin De Bruyne, even if it is they ended up to, to not having that person as a part of their plans for the future. But I think this is a huge, huge deal. And considering the levels that we're seeing, you know, even teams like Newcastle, on uh and we'll talk a little bit about newcastle later um it's huge man it's huge uh moving forward chelsea versus liverpool uh one one draw tight game uh and and here's two teams big six clubs huge followings uh that both underperformed last season and i think are looking to hit the ground running and based off the quality of play um i'll say they both kind of they both kind of did what they were supposed to do. I, I don't think either manager will walk away from this and go, oh, what a terrible game. I think they both would kind of say, all right, halfway decent start. Yep, and I think that it was important for them both to get off to a good start. And like you said, I think they both will be happy with the overall results. I do think there are bright spots for both sides, considerably in that midfield for both Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, McAllister, from what we're hearing, it's kind of going to play that six role, and he's been happy with it, Klopp says. Um, so he's playing a little bit deep line playmaker, but it actually worked out because, again, like we talked about earlier, having runners. So you have Mo Salah running on the wings. He, he pinged the pass out to him. 
which immediately led to a score with Salah uh, passing the ball into Diaz for a goal. And I think that that's something that he may even get better at, which he was obviously doing at Brighton before, but more higher up the pitch. Um, and then same with Enzo. Enzo had a 90% pass rating, I believe. Um, had a lot of passes into the to the final attacking third. I mean, both sides have a lot to walk away with, with more specifically for players. But overall, I think Chelsea, you would you would think last year would have got blown away by Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I will I would definitely say, you know, with Chelsea, I think they still don't have the cutting edge in the attack that I think they probably should have. I think the midfield is their strongest point. Um, but I think the the edge I gave to Liverpool previous to this match would be that Liverpool does have just more threats in the attack plus a decent uh plus a decent midfield and you gotta give them the goalkeeper advantage uh with Allison. But the thing about it is is that Chelsea, especially in the second half, really started to dominate that midfield and really started to push forward. But even still they had to depend on the defender to get a goal. And and, and so uh there was Diasi who got the goal, mm-hmm. correct? Yep, Diasi, so, yep. Yeah, Desasi got the goal, uh, scrappy goal, yeah, you scrappy. know, ugly goal. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, I think even with the draw, I think Chelsea will walk away from this and Pochettino will walk away from this going, this is a good foundation. This is a good start. Yeah, and I think that one of the main errors, if you have to just say, hey, this didn't look the best, I think was that back three. So you have Thiago, who had a good game. You know, besides the Sassy who scored the goal. Yeah. But I definitely think that uh, Levi Colwell got exposed just a little bit. Now, granted, he was going against Mo Salah, so most would get <laughs> um, uh, attacked pretty well against Mo Salah. But I did see him pushing forward, and he wasn't aligned enough. So I think that Poch would look at that and say, hey, you know, the 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 top three did what they could. Um, even though I was coming off the bench, Mudrick came in, didn't have much. Um, so I think the attacking definitely needs more work, which comes with just time and that link up play. But the defending definitely is going to need some work if they do do a three. Yeah, all, all yeah, season. I'm I'm worried about that. But you know, good foundation and good start for both of these clubs. Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest, two to one in a match that Arsenal pretty much dominated until the 80th minute. Didn't get the clean sheet. Obviously, I think I think Arteta would be furious about that. By the way, but um, Arsenal, I think looked. Pretty good. I'm not going to say they looked as good as City in their opener, but I think even still, Nottingham Forest is a little bit of a better team than Burnley if we're going to go like for like. Mm -hmm. But uh, Arsenal missing Gabriel Jesus, again, a very important player. Uh, very, very, very dynamic on and off the ball. A lot of people don't talk about Jesus' ability off the ball as well. Early goal from Eddie Nketiah. Got to get him rolling quickly. Yep. Got to build that confidence for Eddie because he, when he's low on confidence, he might as well not be there. Yep. Uh, but early goal from Nketiah, but that whew, that goal from soccer, bro. <laughs> that goal from soccer, man. It was just, it was almost perfect. You know, the, the usual suspect showed up. I think that's the best way to put it for Arsenal. You know, you have Havertz starting, but soccer, just <sighs> beautiful. I mean, that that touch and then immediately having those two touches to the left to get to his space and no goalkeeper would have stopped. None. It, it was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I feel like if this front three uh, and, and, you know, Jesus and you know, switch the parts out however you want with Jesus and, and Trossard or whatever, that front three, front four, that attacking unit of Arsenal 
is so dynamic. You know, Martinelli coming in off the left wing, either he's going to blow past you or take you 1v1. You don't know. You got Saka. Is he going to take you? He's doubled every game. Yep. <laughs> so either he's going to be get, taking on 2-2-1 two, two and one, or you're going to have Odegaard drifting in just behind him. We know his ability to strike the ball from distance or find uh, to pick out a pass. If Enkedia gets going and Trussard get going this season, that's going to be a very potent attack. So you had that going on. I, I, I think also an important point here is I, I saw a lot of people down on uh, Kai Havertz. And the thing about it is with Kai is, is, again, he's being played. When he's playing the nine, he's out of position. And then when he's playing the eight, that he ain't played the eight since he was at Leverkusen. Right. So it's going to take some time for him to kind of meld and, and grow into that position. But I think he'll be fine there. Uh, he, he just needs to, the biggest thing I think he needs to do is to play a little bit quicker and get to the link up a little bit quicker. Cause there were some times where he could have played the ball forward and he played it sideways. And I think that was a little frustrating for the fans, but a big note from this story, the final note we're going to share on Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest is uh during a timber who is my in my opinion has been the bright spot of the preseason and was a bright spot in this match on that uh, uh playing left back uh went down with a knee injury we now know that he will also be out for multiple months not the end of the world considering that you have Zinchenko there you have Tomiyasu who could play on either side but they are uh, also Kieran Tierney still there, right. uh, who is looking to make an exit. There have been talks of, of Tierney leaving the club, but he's still there, as far as we know. Um, potential looking to replace him with Kyle Walker-Peters or uh, the other name I've been hearing is Emmerich Laporte. I think both of those are kind of no. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that those are just some names because the transfer window's not, you know, completely closed. I think Champions League come out. I think they may look at that long term. But like you said, I think that what Arteta was looking at is that Tierney wasn't playing the way he wanted to. And I think Timber came in. So now you have to think, okay, does he instill a little bit more of that and say, hey, look, you know, Timber's out for a little while. Tierney may stay at least till the January window, possibly. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arsenal will be playing uh, Crystal Palace on Monday. Uh this is the time for you to establish a dominance, yes. Arsenal, because uh, Crystal Palace uh, are, are the type of team that they're kind of ready there for the taking. But we're going to take a slight break, and we will be back with more Football Furioso. We're going to talk about a few more matches in the Premier League. Stick around. We have more. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Football Furioso. Soccer at the speed of sound. Your host, Norris Howard, here alongside Nolan, the wingback. Yes, sir. Manchester United. Only one of the biggest clubs in the land. Yeah. Led by another bald genius, Eric <laughs> Ten Hag. <laughs> but I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this right now. If there is a team who finished top four, who is the most in danger of looking like they won't be top four. It's Manchester United. Yes. That match did not look good. It didn't. And it was honestly surprising for me because at every position, they have so much talent. They did start Garnacho, so he was seemingly to be that person for a Ten Hag now. <laughs> I think Garnacho is the most gassed player in the Premier League. Right, and that's what I'm He's saying. He's gassed. I don't know why anybody... <laughs> 
All right, let me not let me not totally diss, but I'm gonna just say this before we get more into the match itself. Manchester United fans, no one has been able to fully explain to me why Garnacho is worth the hype. Because all I've seen is him dribble into people, put in crosses that fly over everybody's heads, and take shots that hit defenders. That's right. all I've seen from Garnacho. And by the way, no diss to this man, but if you're getting locked down by Nelson Semedo, I'm not sure if you should be considered an elite winger. I'm just saying. No, definitely. And I think that I agree with you, which is why I don't know why you have Sancho on the bench. You know, so I agree with you. That's why I say I'm like, it seems like our nacho is Ten Hag's pick. Not sure what they're doing there, but I think that he had like a low rating anyway. So that adds to it. I just think that uh, Manchester United, they just seem like they're a mess. So I agree with you. I think but they're listen, in danger. Talking more so about this match, Manchester United played at home at Old Trafford and Wolves stepped up now this is a team that lost their manager julian lopetegui literally two weeks ago literally he just walked off yep he just left didn't say just dipped <laughs> just just left. all right so they have no talent they, they they have no manager they have no identity right now and you know what they did they just put the big, big boy pants on and just ran at manchester united and much love and much respect to players like Cunha, who would, you know, <laughs> drop deep into that midfield and just run at them. Yep. And by the way, another transfer that I'm looking like, hmm, question marks. Yep. Mason Mount, what did he do? A gang of nothing. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. you know, it was it was a lot of Casemiro having to cover for Mason Mount. I think he looked decent, but when he came to defending Cunha, he was getting turned every which way. Mm -hmm. and, and Casemiro was having to come in and, and clean that up. But ultimately, Manchester United ended up getting the W. Uh, leading scorer, Rafael Varane. <laughs> which, I mean, listen. In a, in so a, weird. In a, in a, and I understand it's just week one. It's the first day. But, you know, you got Rashford who started. You had Garnacho who started. You had Anthony who started. You had Sancho who came off the bench. You had... Uh, you, you had a lot of attack and threat on mm, the field. Definitely. And it took for Rafael Varane to stay up in the 79th minute from a corner kick routine to be able to nick a goal, which, by the way, the ball and the assist was put in by Aaron Wan-Bissaka. The front might as well just not be there. Yeah. Right? I, it's confusing. It, it, it is it, confusing. It was, it, was, it was, they have a lot to work on, but... To add on to it, leading into the, what I would like to finish off the topic of, was Onana. Now, Onana had a pretty good game. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was a penalty. That was a penalty. <laughs> it was a penalty. Those who didn't see the match uh, in the dying embers, uh, Onana goes up to try to clear the ball, misses it completely, clatters into a Wolves player, no call. No nothing. I mean, the, the attempt on the ball was poor at best. Yeah, no he just He just, no call. And listen, I, I saw the arguments online. People were saying, oh, that's never called against goalkeepers. All right, well, just because people sell drugs and don't get caught don't mean that selling drugs ain't still illegal. Exactly. All right, so that was a penalty, flat out. Um, we forgot to put this on the outline for today's. <laughs> for today's show but i just want to give matt props to the most dominant performers this weekend which was newcastle yes they took on ashton villa who is a team that i've been very high on and they have made me look like a fool 
because they went out and won 5 1 in dominant fashion, a brace for Alexander Isak. <laughs> Listen. Newcastle is looking very scary. I'm starting to think there's not lightning in a bottle. I think that they might actually be here to stay for a little while. I, what, here's, the, here's the crazy part. Is that you win out, you get Tenali. That was it. Mm-hmm. For the most part. This yep. is, for the most part, the same team. And everybody said, oh, Newcastle not active in the transfer market. You got Champions League money now. You got this. You got that. And they just seem like they don't need anything new and word to eddie howe a a manager who has got every player on that team playing and Mm -hmm. i understand why newcastle fans are very excited but we will see because when you're playing champions league ball you are going up against the best of the best of the best of the best and they're all going to run you ragged and that used to be an issue with teams like spurs teams like arsenal teams like I don't know if you remember this, but even when uh, Leicester was making Champions League fairly consistently, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't have the squad depth to go deep into Champions League, and that concordantly began to affect their finishing places in the Premier League. And right now, I only see two teams with the squads ready to go in the Champions League right now, being City and Arsenal. Everybody else looked thin and light. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think one of the bright spots for them, um, too, just in general, is Harvey Barnes. I think that was a big pickup as well. I think that he will supply a little bit of that. Um, he'll anchor that a little bit. I think that he's just a solid player. I think it's a good pickup, like you said, Tenali. Um, You are right, though. They do need a little bit more, I think, on the bench, or at least maybe see a little bit more in general from them to, to last the entire season. But I do think that Newcastle... You just want to see them kind of do good. I mean, you kind of like the squad. You like how they play for each other. <laughs> you like the way they play for each other on the field. Fine. <laughs> sure. Anyway, moving on. Brentford versus Spurs 2-2. Exciting match this was. Uh, Brentford versus Spurs. Which, by the way, this is we are the first match in the post-Harry Kane yes. era. I never thought I'd see it. I never thought I would see play this. forever. <laughs> I ne- not just that, but I never thought I would see Harry Kane not in the Premier League. Right. Even if he went to, you know, City or or some other, I always thought he would be in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But we are in the post-Harry Kane era. What would Spurs look like? And the answer is, it's the James Madison show. Yep. I mean, he was fantastic. Yep, all over the pitch. He was getting the ball back. He was tracking back on defense. Um, I think he got uh, close to an assist. Um, it was good. It was a good game from him. I think that him, um, they had Kulisevsky, who had a, just a solid game. It was kind of weird watching them. You know, they started four new players, and they, they looked okay for the first game. But I think that the heartbeat of them just going forward is definitely going to be uh, Ange Postacoglu. I think that he made a good decision with the Romero incident. Um, he scored a goal with his head after injuring his head. So I think that they have an okay foundation. I know I hate to say it, but they do. <laughs> no, they do. It's just everybody above them is just so much better. Of course. Um, I just want to give props to Brentford because there were moments in this game where I think Brentford actually could have just took the game by the scruff of the neck. But they look solid. They look like they're going to be solidly mid-table this season. They're going to stay up. They're going to continue to do well and you know frank might get poached if the, mm-hmm. if the pochettino experiment doesn't work you know you may see frank 
maybe managing Chelsea, mm -hmm. maybe managing another one of these large teams that, you know, might end up underperforming. I think he's that good of a manager. But as of right now, he seems happy at Brentford. I think Brentford for the past few seasons have been performing at level. And by the way, this is without Ivan Tony. Right. And what did we see? Mbwemo stepping up. We saw stepping up. So it seems like they have the players that recognize the occasion, recognize that they have an opportunity, and they took advantage of it. So yep. I think this is a fair result, and I think it's a result that both teams will be looking at, kind of like Liverpool and Chelsea, and going, you know what? All right. Yep. Spurs, I think, will be slightly disappointed, but I think we all need to be more realistic about where Spurs are and what they what they should be trying to achieve right. this year. Um, which, by the way, uh, extra European spots. Uh, so top four, obviously, will go to Champions League, but two teams will be able to go to Europa League because City won FA, FA Cup. So you're going to have two teams, six and seven, or excuse me, five and six that are available for Europa League, and the seventh spot will be going to Europa Conference League. So damn near half the league can be going to <laughs> Europe next year. Right. Um, but I think, you know, if you're a team like Brentford and Spurs, you know, those Conference League spots are potentially one of those uh, uh, Europa, that six Europa League spots should be where you're looking. But that is going to be that for our chat about the Premier League. We are going to wrap up with a quick, quick chat about the World Cup in the next most recent top player to go to Saudi Arabia. So stick around. We got more coming up on Football Furiosa. Everybody, and welcome back to Football Furioso. Quick rundown of the remaining matches that we getting, didn't get to get to. Ah, English. Uh, Crystal Palace beating Sheffield United 1-0. Bournemouth and West Ham both drawing with one. Brighton smashing Luton Town 4-1. Uh, Nolan, I know you were very high on Brighton last season. Oh, so yes. Good to see them starting. Everton losing to Fulham 1-0. Uh, those are the matches that we didn't get to get to, so make sure uh, that you guys uh, stick around for Football Furioso in the future. We will be talking about your club, so if we missed your club, we're sorry. We just don't want the show to be a thousand <laughs> right. minutes long. Very quickly, Women's World Cup, Spain. The first burn. <laughs> Why yeah. did I do it like I said? <laughs> I said it like I was a Street Fighter 2 announcer. Spain. I'm sure that's not her saying. They're excited. <laughs> they are. They're the first team to punch their ticket to the final. Uh, crazy, crazy final 10 minutes of this match. Uh, Salma Paraluelu, uh, she's come off the bench now and has scored in the 80th or, lady, or later minute twice uh, in the Women's World Cup. She has been phenomenal for them coming off the bench. Great player. But Carmoda, I don't know if you saw this goal, Nolan. A banger. Yes. A banger in the 89th minute to win it. To win it. I mean, Spain is flying high right now. They will be facing the winner of Australia and England. It is hard for me to ever root for the colonizer 
I must root for the colonized. And therefore, uh, I think Australia may have it to win it because we said it wasn't coming home. And please don't let it come home. It can't go home. Now. It can't go home. We, we, we would look bad already in the first look, couple of weeks of this be, podcast. It'd be terrible. <laughs> we can't let it go home. I don't think England's better than Spain. I don't think either one of these teams are no. better than Spain. The problem is, is that Australia... Uh, I think would be a little more aggressive and they would be able to take it to Spain because they're a little weak mm-hmm. in, in the back line. But before we get out of here, one of the biggest players in the world, Neymar, is going to Saudi Arabia. He is going to be playing at Al-Hilal in the uh, Saudi Super League. And uh, Nolan, talk to us a little bit about this deal. How much how much money are we talking about? So he will be joining Al Halal for a fee of around 90 million euros or around 98 million. A modest, dollars. a modest fee of 90 million. Just very modest <laughs> fee of 90 million dollars. Um, and I, I think that it, it there's not much you can really say about the fee. Like we know he's going to play with Al Halal. We know what the league is starting to do now. Um my question to you, actually. Okay. Is let's just get to the to the to the real bread and butter here. Okay. What would you say is Neymar's European legacy? We know about Brazil. What yeah. is his European legacy? I think he's tarnished it. I think if we talk about Barcelona era Neymar, this was a player that was not just in the ascendancy. I mean, it's going to be tough because he he's going to be sort of a for, I don't want to say a forgotten player, but he had the misfortune of coming along at the tail end of the Messi Ronaldo era and had to I mean same thing with Luis Suarez we're gonna talk about Luis Suarez and Robert Lewandowski and a lot of these players that if they existed in any other time we'd be talking about them as greatest of all time status Mm -hmm. but instead they had the misfortune of just existing in the same realm and in the same era as as Messi and Ronaldo I think Neymar probably will be the biggest victim of that mm-hmm. um obviously he won Champions League with Barcelona and had a a great a great run there but a lot of people don't know when you had the 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 comeback the remandata the uh 6-1 uh, where yep. they where they were able to uh, come back in the Champions League I believe that was the quarterfinal mm-hmm. against Paris Saint-Germain and Neymar dominated that match. Yes. That was his match. Yes, Messi was on the field. Yes, Suarez, Iniesta, all those players were playing. Neymar put Barcelona on his back and won that match almost single-handedly. Yep. And in the fallout from that, the focus was still all on Messi. Exactly. People, I, I feel like it was at that moment where he realized, for as long as I am in Barcelona... This will never be my team. Mm-hmm. And then he made the asinine decision to go to Paris Saint-Germain in the same year or, or or the same team that Kylian Mbappe was in. He was never, ever, 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 ever going to be the main man, period. And I think that's his legacy in Europe. I think he is a guy who has thought he was the main character and never was. Um, and I find that to be very disappointing. Yes. Because I always like Neymar as a player. Um, the, the the flopping stuff, I think, is funny. <laughs> I don't really care because everybody flops mm-hmm. in, in male in male soccer. The women don't flop quite as much. But um, I think that would be his legacy. And I think it's really sad because he's a dynamic, electrifying player. But I think him going to Saudi is his admission to saying, my mission 
in Europe is over. Mm -hmm. My ambitions in Europe are over. Um, he's won La Liga. He's won the Champions League. He has, I believe he's also, no, he's never won Club World Cup, but I don't know how many people really care about that anyway. So I think that's his legacy. And I think going to Saudi Arabia is him just saying, let me get my last bag and then maybe go to MLS in a season or two. Yep. Um, but, you know, that's 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 what's happening with Neymar. He's going to Al-Halal. That's the same team that will feature uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, Sergey Milinkovic Savage of uh, Lazio fame, uh, and a couple other Brazilians, Malcolm, who spent many years at Zenit. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that. You yeah. know, I, I feel like I feel like at this point, a lot of these players are going to Saudi, but I'm not sure how much we'll remember, how much we'll care, how many highlights we'll be talking about from the Saudi league, because I just don't know anybody in America or even in England who cares. Yeah. And I think that's the part of the Neymar, just to piggyback on that again, is Neymar is still a pretty high profile name and he's 31 and i think that right. that's the biggest part you know some of these players that are going are 34 35 or have had just as much injury history as he has the well, Conte. Malik savage is 28 right he's in his prime exactly. he's like he's like the only player because when i looked this up a few days ago i was like wait a minute malinkovich savage mm -hmm. went to oh hello i was like he was tapped to come to the premier league yep. he was a fantastic player exactly and i think that that's that's the longer story, which we'll get into, I'm sure, within the weeks, is with Neymar going, with being such a large name, leaving from PSG to go there, um, like you said, he was almost in tap to become in Ballon d'Or conversations a couple of those years in Barcelona. It's just a big fall from grace for me. But I think going at 31 is going to start to highlight what what that average age is going to start to be for the Saudi League. Because you have Ronaldo's and all those that went first. Neymar at 31, Savage at 28. Are we going to start to see players go that say, hey, I'm out of Liverpool squad. They asked me for $100 million. I'm leaving at 27, 28. Academy players, you know, that play, get a couple rounds in the squad and say, hey, we want you to play here. That may be a big name for one season. You know, when does that start to happen? I mean, think? that's what we saw with the Chinese Super League. Mm -hmm. You know, when we had a number of players, like I remember when Oscar from, from uh, Chelsea yep. went over there at his prime. And... He, he, he fell into obscurity. Mm -hmm. We never heard from him again. Yep. Plenty of players. Hulk went over Hulk. there. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, he got a little popularity, but never made waves in the big European leagues. Plenty. Yannick Carrasco went to China and came back mm -hmm. because he got his bag and realized the level of the level of competition is not what, what you hope for. And so I think, you know, when we're looking at the Saudi Pro League, you know, it'll be a cool sideshow. And don't get me wrong, I think because of the culture of football in Saudi Arabia, how how ravenous they are for football, I think that will float it for a little longer. But at the same time, I just think when you have to draw the Champions League and the eyeballs and the prestige and all that other type of stuff... I'm not sure if you're going to have a player who can go to Saudi Arabia and then be like, I'm the greatest player in the world. It's just you can't do it. Right. So, you know, some will, and they'll have good careers, and I just think most won't.
Yeah. I just think most won't. But anyway, that's going to be it for this episode of Football Furioso. Make sure that you all stick around to the, you know, podcast feeds and make sure that you got all your alerts set because we're going to be doing this every week. We've made a commitment to you to provide to you soccer at the speed of sound. Nolan, last word, quickly. What would it be like if Messi plays in a final within a month and a half of coming to America? He plays in the semifinal tonight. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs>